Welcome to the Speakernomics Podcast, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association, brought to you by Leadership Books. I'm Kenneth Kinney, but friends call me Shark. And like you, I'm a professional speaker, and I love listening to Speakernomics, the professional speaker show that will help you thrive and grow a speaking business so you too can change the world. One keynote, one session, workshop, and speech at a time. And on today's episode, we're going to dive deeper with Sherry Levitin. Sherry is an internationally recognized sales expert, speaker, and author. She's recognized as an influential leader in social media and a top 10 voice in sales by LinkedIn. And she's also a member of NSA's board of directors and a member of NSA's million dollar speaker group. Sherry with an A, welcome to Speakernomics. How are you today? I am good. Now I have a question for you. I heard that sharks never sleep. So my question is, A, is that true? And B, do you sleep? That is not completely true. It depends on what kind of shark it is. And two, yes, I don't get a lot of sleep either. So when I ask a question to everybody, what kind of speaker are you with the type of sessions that you deliver? Are you a speaker, a trainer, an entertainer, or are you someone who is looking to change the behaviors of the people to whom you're speaking? Now ask if you are comparing yourself in that journey to another speaker or are they comparing themselves to you? If you want to build a multi-million dollar speaking and training business, then this is the episode for you. And before we jump in, make sure to go to speakernomics.com. That's where you can find the tips, the insights, the knowledge to help you become a better speaker, build a better business, and get paid to speak. Sherry, let me ask you this. I know you've been speaking a long time. How did you get into this speaking business, and why did you pick the topic that you're speaking about this year? Yeah, um, great question. Probably like a lot of our listeners, I found myself 25, 30 years ago, I know I'm dating myself, very good at something. And I wanted to share that with the world. So I started my career in my early 20s. I got into sales by accident and found I was very, very good at it. I became the top seller in all of Marriott. But my true passion was always training and developing. You know, Marriott used to send me around to all the sites and have me train their sellers. And I developed a methodology. And my real dream was to start a training company. And so in 1997, I started my training company. And it was super exciting. You know, I got a lot of big hotel clients. We were working with Hyatt. We were working with Hilton. I started bringing on other trainers as I got busy, but pretty soon it was obvious to me that my clients weren't asking me back. So I do a talk or I do a training and they love it. And then I never got repeat business and I was in a single vertical. So that was bad, right? I was in the hospitality and, and real estate space. So it was like, you know, there's only so many clients, right? And and they weren't asking me back. and. I remember one day I had a client, Maria, who said, we'd really love you to train our trainers. We'd love you to, to train you know, our group of 30, 40 trainers. But before we hire you to do this training, we'd like you to go to this other trainer's training on how to train. So now I'm a little bit confused because at first I'm really excited, right? I'm like, oh boy, you know, I'm gonna get this big gig, man. I'm gonna, I'm so cool. I'm gonna train all these trainers. So is this a compliment or an insult? But before you can train, you've got to get training. Okay. So turns out I end up going to this training and I had the biggest epiphany of my career. And I realized after going to Mike's training that I was training the way I wanted to train and present. 
and not the way people learn. And after an hour of giving a talk or even three or four hours, I remember I used to go home and say to my then significant other, man, I was so good today. I was awesome. And really what I should have been doing is making it so the participants would go home to their spouse Mm -hmm. and say, you should have seen me. I was awesome. And what I realized is that for training to stick, for a concept to stick, There's what I call now four pillars of an effective training and coaching program. And here's what I believe. I have been a member of NSA for a while now, and every single speaker in NSA has a very important message to share, and they share it well. And I also know that every speaker at NSA that I come into contact with wants to have an impact. They want to make a difference with their message. And so what I learned was there's a huge difference between telling someone your message and being inspiring and entertaining and making lasting change. And in order to make lasting change and help that audience take action on your idea, it requires more than a one night stand, just to use a metaphor, right? I mean, it's more than a one and done. And that's the good news, Shark, because what happens is When somebody can see that, yes, change happens over time, they need to keep asking you back. You drip out content slowly. You create facilitations and exercises and coaching materials. And so there's this huge benefit to having not just a keynote or just a single session, but a training business. And once we adopted that strategy, we built a international training company and we had People that kept coming back. And the most fun part is when I would bring on a trainer and the customer would say, oh, we want Linda or or we want Joe. They're better than you. And it's like, hallelujah. (laughs) You know, you want to find people that are better than you and then your business grows and you want to have a situation where they keep asking you back because you're giving them so much value and you're creating change. No, I was just, I was going to echo, I I think even in consulting world where I do a lot of strategy work, the same thing applies because when you train someone, it helps them be able to advance on their own as well, which is what you want them to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look, keynotes are great. Everybody loves a good keynote. Everybody loves a training. But for change to occur, what we know is that people only retain 10% of what they hear. 50% of what they see and hear, and 90% of what they say and do, what the audience says and does. I always say there's a lot more knowledge in front of me than is in front of you. And when people can start learning from their peers and applying the principles and frameworks, and I always advise trainers and speakers, once you can provide sort of some proprietary frameworks and let people interact with them, and see how it applies not only to their business, but to their lives. That's when they start integrating your concepts, your methodologies, and they keep asking you back for more. Because the number one thing we hear from speakers, and I just got these stats from Maureen Mahoney, the number one thing that keeps speakers up at night is, how do I get more gigs? My question would be, are you looking for more gigs from all different clients? or more gigs from the same clients, because those are two very different strategies. 
the strategy I liked was a little of both, but I really like repeat business with the same client because you're going to make a lot more money. You're a lot more streamlined and you're going to make a greater impact and have a more predictable revenue in your business. Well, another thing I know that you're speaking about at this year's winter workshop at Thrive is building and selling seven-figure courses, even if you believe you lack the content. Now, they've got to go to the show in Albuquerque. It's going to be amazing. However, I want to ask, kind of give us a high level. How do you at least set up that framework to build and sell that business? Because you've obviously been extremely successful with it. Yeah, and and this actually happened a, a little bit by accident where we came up with this. You know, when COVID hit, I think we all thought it would be over, you know, in a month. And if it lasted two months, oh, my God. (laughs) And like many other speakers, uh, a large portion of our events were were live events. And like many other speakers, a lot of them canceled. So what we realized really quickly, and I got to tell you, I was listening to other speakers and Stephen Shapiro stands out. And I remember he came on, I don't know if it was a lunch and learn or what it was and said, you know, speaking doesn't have to be a one-time event. It can be an experience over time. And we thought, you know, we really need to double down on how to have a live virtual event like All the other speakers that made it, we created in home studios and offices, and we doubled down on how do we take what we used to do live and do it virtually. And when we did live events, we used what I call the four pillars of an effective training program. And I'm going to give you the four pillars, and actually, everybody can take an assessment at the end and see what their dominant pillar is. But the concept is, in order to have a training program that produces ongoing results, that creates change, so no matter what you're training on, whether it's leadership training, whether it's sales training, whether it's DEI training, you need all four pillars in order for the training to stick. Now, there's probably other formulas someone could look at. We just happen to use the four and it resonates and it sticks. And the four pillars are education and that's your content. That's how do I create great content? We go into a little bit of depth on that. How do people learn? Because like me, I think in the beginning, (laughs) I was training the way I wanted to train Mm -hmm. and not the way people learn. So learning happens over time in micro learning. So the first pillar is the education pillar, and that's really your your content, your podcast, your books, etc. The second pillar is entertainment. Now, I clearly led with the entertainment pillar, and I think a lot of speakers do, right? Our ability to be funny, to tell stories, to have punchy punchlines. When we did live shows, though, we would also, in that entertainment pillar, it meant, you know, are we connecting people to other people? Do we have contests, games? Are we using the five senses, right? Are are we using music at breaks, you know, and how do we do all this? And, And then the needle really moves, isn't in the first two pillars, because- I clearly, back in the day, I I would create content and I would be entertaining, but it's in the second two pillars where people actually can take action and create change. And the last two pillars is where the rubber meets the road. The third pillar is what I call the facilitation pillar. This is this idea that people don't believe it when we say it, they believe it and can take action on it when they do it. 
And that happens by having great role plays, by getting people to do assimilated exercises, everything from pictograms to case studies. And that's what we always did in our live events. And then finally, that coaching, that setting up that leader in an organization or providing coaching either one-to-one or one-to-many because everybody learns and applies things differently Mm -hmm. and really getting to know the human and helping them integrate it the way they need to integrate it. So when COVID hit, we thought, how do we take these sort of rock shows that we're doing live and do them virtually? And there was a huge epiphany that we could literally take what we were doing live, use all five senses, even the sense of smell and the sense of taste, and create a live virtual event that happened over a five to 10 week period. And we, by integrating all four pillars, we had huge results from our clients, whether they were trying to learn better presentation skills, better sales skills, better training and leadership skills. They not only had results, but for us, it gave us the ability to get good revenue from home, which now half of what we do, I don't know about you, but for me, I love to travel, but I also love to wake up at home and be able to have some kind of income stream come in, whether I'm on the road or not. Because who knows if there's gonna be another pandemic, who knows when there's gonna be uh, another recession. And so it's about really having multiple income streams so we can recession proof our businesses and make a big impact, which I believe everybody in NSA wants to do. I remember when things started to get close to hitting the fan. I was on a shark diving excursion in the Bahamas. And I thought about this now, and I've I've been thinking about it a solid three years. And I just asked a a friend of mine, I guess it's been almost four years now. Four years ago, myself and many people weren't recession-proof ready for COVID because it hit us in the gut. When I got back, though, from that trip... I knew I had to rush back because I knew things were were changing so rapidly. I wonder how many people would really be ready today if the same thing happened over and over again. Because we've had a lot of people talk about this, but it is really important to realize anything could happen tomorrow. And we go back through something like this. May not be COVID, could be something else, but it's something to really, really think about. And I, one of the things I would encourage anybody to go to Winter Workshop Thrive has been I found it to be just an amazing conference. It's where I first met you for a couple of a couple of minutes a couple of years ago. But why should a speaker attend Thrive? You've been to many of these. You're on the board of directors. Why is it important for you to attend Thrive Winter Workshop? I mean, everybody has their own reasons for attending. But if you just look at the core of what and who NSA is, it's about building a better business and becoming a better speaker. And Thrive, I believe, focuses more on this aspect of building a better business. And there's something very different. You know, I just talked about live virtual events and the power of them. But really, Shark, I can't think of any more impact and any more connection that can happen other than being alive. And when you're at Thrive, it's the it's not just, I mean, the speakers are 
off the chart good. I mean, these are professional speakers. This is NSA. And it's not like, oh, if you pick up one or two things, you know, that line, like we leave with notebooks full of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like this is our tribe. I I was telling you in the pre-show, and I I just want to share this, that I honestly didn't know NSA existed until seven years ago. And I was invited to speak at a breakout session for Lightspeed because I have a a very robust online learning community and they wanted me to talk to their community. And I remember getting to NSA. I didn't even know what it was. I thought it was like NRA or a gun thing. Like, I honestly didn't know what it was. (laughs) And that night I went to the awards banquet and I sat in the audience and I cried. And I thought how can I be 50 years old? I've had a training company since 1997. These people are my tribe. These are my humans. These are my people. And I am just finding out about it now. And I I was so sad. I thought I'll never be able to really get involved in NSA. I'll never really be able to um, get myself. These people all know each other so well. They're, They're already a group. And I could not believe the warmth from everybody, the big speakers, the the big Hall of Fame speakers to the people that were just getting started and and the ethics and the values. And and I, I believe that there's something about an NSA member where they have an abundance mentality. Nobody feels like this is mine. They share everything. Here's the contracts we use. Here's how we price it. Here's how we do it. And to be able to ask any type of question and have the warmth and the sharing and the relationships, I don't know how you cannot go if you make any kind of money using the spoken word. There is no better place. It's changed my life. Well, Sherry, a question I want to ask you from a previous guest comes from Susan Frew. So what is your best idea that always wins in finding yourself new speaking engagements? Ooh, what a great question. I like to do pattern interrupts. And what I mean by a pattern interrupt is I think it's easy because of social media to sort of fall in a sea of sameness, right? Where we all sort of look alike, sound alike, and we don't want to take too many creative chances because, ooh, what will people think? And I think that we need to interrupt a pattern. I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder, and whenever I'd go skiing up by, uh, I think it was I-70, I'd go to Vail or whatever, there was a restaurant that was always packed, like standing room only. And there was a sign on the restaurant, and it said, bad food, warm beer. Total pattern interrupt. Like, nobody's expecting that. Now, to this day, I've never stopped. I don't know if they had good food or good beer or cold beer, but everybody was curious. And I think as speakers... We need to think, what can I do that's a little different? Now, I'm going to tell you something I do that's a little different and that many people may do, but I'll tell you, not everybody will execute it. I use video because I will tell you today, everybody's, you you know, they do a prospecting email or they do a follow-up and, you know, they're doing it via email or or they're doing it via, and, and, you know, if you're like most people, you have 3,946 unread emails. If you're a speaker, you have 46,000 for sure, because that's the way we we roll. You know, people don't answer emails anymore in the same way that they're not novel anymore. 
Video, particularly asynchronous video, is novel. So if I've had a great sales call and I want to follow up, or I've got a good lead and I want to prospect, I will literally come on with a 30 to 45 second video and we're speakers. They want to see us. They want to see our hand motions. They want to feel our energy. So in a word, in a long word, video. Yeah, five years ago, 10 years ago, before I really started spending time on the craft, that would have been a great way to define my own previous speaking engagements would have been bad food and warm beer. So <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it just, it it feels like it. And, and Susan lives in Denver, so mm-hmm. I'll tell her to go find the the bad food, warm beer on her way to go skiing. Oh, so, perfect. She probably knows where it is. Exactly. So what question would you like to ask a future guest on this show? One of the things I've been thinking about when it comes to the four pillars, they're like legs of a chair. You need all four or at least three. There are three legged stools that work in order to really have a results producing training program. And I believe not just as speakers, but in life very often, our greatest strength is also our greatest weakness. So if you're super entertaining and you love entertaining, that is an incredible strength, but it can be a weakness when trying to grow a business because you got to let go of a little control and a lot of ego. It's hard to do for a speaker. So I guess my question to the next speaker might be, what do you find is your greatest strength that might also be your greatest weakness? So let's do a quick recap based on Sherry's million-dollar advice. One, there's a huge difference to make real change, and it requires more than one drip. There's a huge benefit to having that training business. So many touch points that come after so that you get booked by them over and over again. Number two, in order to have a training program that has ongoing results, you need all four pillars that she's defined in the training to stick. She defines them as education, entertainment, facilitation, and coaching, learning, Quite simply, it happens over time. And three, you got to go to Winter Workshop. This is not Influence Light. If you want value in a more intimate setting, and if you want to hear a great speaker like Sherry Leviton, then bring a big notebook and go to Albuquerque. So, Sherry, any closing thoughts before we get out of here and drop the mic? Yeah, I think one more thing that, you know, so often, one of the biggest things I hear training salespeople and training people on sales process is, how do I not compete on price? And I think every speaker has gone through that. Well, Mike's $3,000 less for a keynote and George's is 4,000 less. Is this the best you can do? Which like makes everybody's hair stand up, right? And I would say that is another benefit of incorporating all four pillars. Because if I'm up against another keynote speaker and they say, well, such and such will do it for this. I'll say, well, do they give you 30 days of online learning? Do they also give you this coaching workbook? And do they, so what happens is a concept, once you can start bundling your content, something Nito Quibain calls intentional congruence. You can charge exponentially more because you've separated yourself from the competition and you're giving more value. Great point. Sherry, thank you for being with us today. Friends, make sure to join us at Speakernomics.com and let your voice be heard. Thank you to Leadership Books for sponsoring this episode of Speakernomics. I am Kenneth Sharkinney, your host of the National Speaker Association podcast, Speakernomics. And this has been another fantastic episode of the show. To everyone listening at home, thank you for the privilege of your time. And remember, Speakernomics is a podcast where you'll learn to speak, get paid, repeat.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.